I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Co-host of the Two in the Think Tank podcast, sitting with me in the studio today, it's Alastair George William Tromley Birchall. How you doing, buddy? Very well, thank you, Andrew Tr- George William Matthews. Thank, thank you, and and thank you for mm. putting your name inside of my name. Yeah, sort which, of like I'm your nucleus now. That's right. You're my cell wall. <laughs> my, yep. Uh, all I want to do is I want to be like a, a barrier between your middle names and the harsh reality of the world. Can you protect them for me? Yeah, I'm going to nestle them in my uh, nominal bosom. Oh, yeah, I like that. Thank you. Uh, and uh, Alastair, while I've got you here, thank you. This feels yeah. like the perfect opportunity to talk about the uh, the people who make the Two in the Think Tank podcast possible. Do you mean you and me? Alistair, I'm talking about you and me, and yeah. I just wanted to take a moment to talk about you and me yeah. and the good work that we do. But before I do that, yeah. all right, I also wanted to thank the people that make you and me possible, mm-hmm. and that is the good people at Harry's Razors. What are their names? Uh, Mr. Yeah, and? Harry's. Yeah. And Razors. And Mr. Razors. And Mr. Razors. Yeah. I think one of them's called Andy. Great. Yeah. And the other one I have no interest in. I'm well, sorry if the if the if the guys from Harry's Razors are listening right now. I really respect that you do that kind of ground level work in your organisation. Stay in touch with the people mm-hmm. like us very much at the coal face. Yeah. But also, I'm sorry that I didn't remember the other one's name. But, but also, thank you for your wonderful razors. <laughs> thank you for your wonderful razors, and thank you for uh, giving the opportunity for two in the think tank listeners to go to harrys.com forward slash think tank. That's harrys.com mm-hmm. forward slash think tank and get $13 worth of free shaving gear for only the cost of shipping. And this is like $13 worth of Harry. That's 13 Harry's dollars, yeah. right? And Harry's dollars, they go a long way in Absol- Harry's world. Okay, Absolutely. You get a lot of gear for that. I'll tell you about it later in the show, but look, suffice to say... You know, it'll it'll suffice if I say that it's everything you need for a great shave. I'm talking like the blades, the handle, the, <laughs> the, cream. the cream, everything. Your face. Uh, your, your face. F- your your face, face is not in there, but you'll wish it was. That's right. Because it'll be like you're getting a new face. Yeah. Okay. When that box arrives, you open it up. Maybe there's a little mirror, but the mirror's on delay or something. I don't know how they made no. those delay mirrors, but you don't see yourself until after you've shaved. Yeah, but metaphorically, in That's there, right. in the box is a new face. Okay, and or an, armpit or leg. Great. Or hopefully, back. hopefully you don't get those things confused. You wind up with a new armpit on your face. But even if you did, if it's a Harry shaved armpit, mm. I reckon you could go out there and put it with a confident smile on your armpit society and really will, take on the world. Society will welcome you in. They will absolutely, with open and hairless arms. Yeah. Society will wrap them around faces your, in your their face armpits. <laughs> Anyway, harrys.com forward slash think tank, and uh, you can get that that deal. And bloody hell, I, I got I got so much more to say. This is a call to arms. This is a call to arms and pits. Yeah, go out there, <laughs> get Harry's razor, shave your arms and pits, faces, backs, 
groinal areas. Yes. Uh, anywhere that is legally okay for people to recommend. That you shave. That you shave. And, and we, are you saying that we can't, we, we, we've already gone to the limit of what we can... I don't know. That's what I'm saying is I don't know. I would say don't, you probably can't legally tell people to shave children. Sure. Or eyeballs, probably. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it in good conscience. Yeah. So that's I mean, not even a le- legal thing. It's a, a law of nature. A, a hairy eyeball, yeah. that doesn't bear thinking about. But I, a shaved eyeball, that also doesn't bear thinking about. Yeah, so don't. just don't think about it. Just listen to the words, but let them wash over you, but don't let them dwell in your mind hole. Yeah. And... Hello and welcome to the Two in the Think Tank podcast, the show where we come up with Alistair... Two? Five. Fuck. Three. I don't know. Five sketch ideas. Five sketch ideas? All right, let's go. We're going to go for a nice round five. Nice round five. It's not even really a round number, though, is it? No, but I feel like it should be an even number because we've got five fingers on a hand. Yeah. That feels even to me. You know? It feels... I mean, I'll tell you what, it'd be odd. Yeah. Six fingers on your hand. That would feel odd. odd. Yeah. Yeah. So... Whereas, yeah, oh, look... I think I think we should go through the numbers and just reassign which ones we think are odd okay. based on how they strike us. Well, one feels round. It does. One's yeah. very round. It's very yeah. round, and yet zero doesn't feel round. Not yet at all. it looks round. Mm. All right. Well, we'll have to come up. Maybe all numbers are round, mm-hmm. but just in different ways. Well, a lot of the time we just say a number is round because it's got a zero at the end of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. So that's a rounded end. Is that why we call it round? I don't know. Like but when then you why bevel the edge of a bench or something. Yeah, but then is a two a round number? <laughs> because, I mean, it's kind of round, but that's not the why they say that, that it's round. Yeah. They is, say cause it's got... is two a round number? It's a rounded number, but it's I don't not... think it's fully round. It's not round? No. Oh. You're... Oh, it's even. I feel like we've talked about round numbers on the podcast before. Talked about, like, rounding stuff up and rounding stuff down. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, and it's gone back years. I don't but remember like, anything we've said anymore. If it, okay, is there anything, Alistair, to be said for the opposite of rounding numbers, which mm. is like pointing numbers? Squaring right? off numbers. Yeah, squaring off numbers, pointing. right? Giving them a, a, a nice sharp edge, Yeah. right? Shar- sharpening numbers, oh, nice. which is like, you know, the government's going to spend $15,000 mm. on... Uh, Supporting a uh, small community garden business, but if you just say fifteen thousand, or even worse, if you say a million, mm. right, it makes it sound like you haven't thought about it. Yeah, that's it makes true. it sound like you're just making up a number. You got to say like eight hundred thousand, eight hundred twenty-six thousand five hundred thirty-eight. Oh, that sounds like a well-costed policy. Oh, that's a nice jaggedy number. I'm not gonna, <laughs> I'm not gonna ask any further questions. Mm. So is that is that a thing? That we can have, which is called uh, sharpening numbers or jaggedying numbers, yeah. where you have some kind of a number that you need to apply to something, but you want it to sound thoughtful, yeah. so you put a whole lot of bullshit on the end. Yeah, I think I think it's it's part of the trickery mm. that you use to make it seem like you've done more work than you have. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, like I know whenever I've had to put in a quote for some bullshit bit of work that I've done. Yeah. And sorry if you've ever employed me, but everything I've done has been bullshit. Um, <laughs> Do you steal I, from your employers? You don't steal, though, right? Uh, I in, Only in the sense that I will sometimes add a, a bit of money to the number to make it seem like a more realistic number. Sure, but there's also no... 
there's no fixed value of what you're worth. So any whatever you're worth, whatever you're paid is just whatever anybody else will agree to pay you. It's true. Like at the moment, we're getting paid like five hundred dollars a day. Can I kind of say that? Or should I say that? So yeah, but it's doing, three days a week, doing a bit of work, so getting paid five hundred dollars a day. Hmm. I don't think like that's that's too arbitrary. <laughs> it's very arbitrary. <laughs> like if they 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 clearly don't value what we do. Even though that's a great amount of money to be paid, yeah. if they'd thought about what we do, yeah. they would have worked out that it's not exactly five hundred dollars worth a day. It's right? like five eighty six. Five eighty six, or, or it's four twenty three, or three three hundred and one. So when I next time I go into my pay negotiation, mm-hmm. I'm not going to ask for necessarily a bigger number. Yeah, I'm just going to ask for a more accurate number. Yeah. To show that they've thought about it. Because really, that's what I want. I want I to know. be thought about. But the trouble is, is that if they really think about it... Yes. <laughs> then they might realise <laughs> that what we're doing doesn't have value. <laughs> Any value at yeah. all. And so I think you that's why you want a nice round number, so that it just slips by their mind without right. any scrutiny applied that's, to that's, it. That's what's great about round numbers is mm. that they, they that rounded edge yeah. allows them to roll basically across the mind yeah. without getting caught in any of the grooves. It's, uh, a round number is like a curry for mm. your mind. Yeah, it goes right, right through. through it and then comes out in your pants. Then, in your pants? Well, that's where you keep your money. Yeah, that's and what, your poo. Yeah, which yeah. is... A form of money in a culture that needs bacterium. Now we don't. Everybody doesn't. Sorry, Alistair. It's fine. In, every, everybody, doesn't. everybody doesn't wear nappies, right? Okay. But would it oh. be crazy? <laughs> would it be crazy to have a pocket in the back of your pants, just hangs open, hangs back there at the back of your pants, was inside your pants, that if you needed to, you could shit into. Wait, okay, so like a shitting pocket. Like sort of like a, po- a, portal, a portable toilet. Yeah. But yeah. that is a pocket. So you're rethinking the toilet. It's just like a sort of like the front pocket on a on like a like I'm a pretty sure the last episode started with a big discussion about shit as well, and we well, apologize then. But anyway, yeah, no, Alistair, you were supporting me with my idea. It's Andy, because I support you. Thank you. Um so it, like it's sort of like a pocket, like a like in the front of a poncho or something like that. Yeah. Um, just like a big pocket. Yep, maybe. but it's inside the pants. People don't see it, right? Mm. But if needs be, you can, I guess, reach through your fly, yeah. right, around back under your ass, mm. right, grab the front edge of the pocket, yeah. pull it forward across your ass, and then shit into it. Oh, right? right, so it's not just always there. No, it's not always like, it's 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 sort of a clo- like a closed pocket that what? lies flat across the back of the... Uh, the pants, and then you open it. Oh, right. The little pop stud there. What about just like a bit of tubing, like yeah. like sort of like one of those those plastic thing, sleeves that they put an, a wet umbrella into? Yeah, yeah. And then you just have that run down your leg. Great. And then <laughs> and then you have the other stuff run down your leg. <laughs> and then that way you just kind of seal it up at the top, like a. Like Is a, that are those little sock things mm. for umbrellas? Are those for putting the umbrella into when it's wet? I think so. I guess that makes sense. Well, what what was the reasoning in your mind? Well, I always take those things off. I always don't put it in there in the wet because I don't want to get that sock wet. So I just sort of leave the umbrella dripping around the office or whatever. But where where do you find those? What do you mean? Where do you see those plastic things? Those socks? Yeah. Oh, so, you, okay, you mean, right, 
You mean a specific when you go to some sort of location mm. and they've got a special thing for sticking your umbrellas into? Yeah. Yeah, right. I thought you meant those, uh, those like, ones that come with the umbrella. Oh, no. You know? I mean, maybe those are for that. Little umbrella sleeve. Someone would have to speak to some kind of umbrella designer or umbrella maybe historian or something well, like I'm that. I'm aware that Robinson Crusoe made an umbrella while he was shipwrecked on the island out of goat skin and wood. Mm. But I'm not sure if he made a sleeve or a bag to put it into when it was wet. Well, it, do- it doesn't sound like he'd be able to open it and close it, I reckon. I, th- I reckon that's the real sign of civilization. I th- I, 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 <laughs> my, my vague memory <laughs> is that he could open and close the umbrella. Really? Yeah, although that seems totally... He made that inner metallic... Spring like he system. He made something out of wood. Did he make a spring out of, out out of, of goat? goat? Yeah, probably. Goat bone spring? Goat bone. <laughs> goat bone. Goat bone spring, dude. Maybe you could do it just like, like instead of like a spring, you could just use like a, like a springy organ, mm. like a spleen or something like that. Well, yeah, and, and maybe inflate a goat bladder or something like that. The great thing about parachuting is yes. that it's all... <laughs> Is that in a way it's also... Okay, I feel like this one's going somewhere else. No, but a, para- <laughs> a parachute is also an umbrella. That is true. Yeah, it's like it's like a, an umbrella being used at its full capacity. Like when you're up there mm-hmm. where the air is rarefied, yeah. Yeah, you're floating along, mm-hmm. you see a big storm coming your way. You go, right? thank God. <laughs> <laughs> thank God I'm up here under this huge umbrella. I could have been down there, stuck with no umbrella. Wet on the ground. Here I am, dry in the sky. (laughs) All right, look, all I've written down so far is jaggedy numbers, question mark. Yeah, well, you know, and I think the question mark is very valid. Yeah. If you'd just written down the question mark, I would have supported you in that. Yeah. Do you... Post-traumatic stress disorder, Alastair. Mm Mm-hmm. Is there is there like a version of that, right? But that is more user friendly. Like I feel like post traumatic stress disorder is a thing that was another thing that was invented by the military. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. But I'd like to see it with a domestic application. Sure. Okay? Like you know a more like day to day use. <laughs> sure. Okay. So like. <laughs> okay. You know, why does this innovation? Mm. Made by the military, why does it have to remain the the province of people who have gone through a severe trauma? Yeah. Right? How can I use that? So it brings you back to the mm-hmm. time when you were under attack, let's say, in the military one. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this is one that, like, a sound will trigger mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and bring you back to a time where maybe you were enjoying pancakes I guess what we're, dis- we're discussing here is just memory, isn't it? Memory. <laughs> I know, but it's intense memory that you can't escape from. Yeah, right. Sort of like, you know, maybe in a way that you could tailor it to being functional. So let's say, right. you know, so let's say you want to have like a, a post-traumatic stress type reaction, mm. like, like, you know, full-on intense flashback to... A time that you were very productive. Yes. Uh, you know, in your back office, and you were in the zone and flowed clearly. And it happened not long after your Felix the Cat clock went cuckoo, cuckoo. You know, and so then 
in your other place, yeah, or maybe in your watch workplace or whatever, you you have that cuckoo sound yep. to activate a productivity mode. I I, th- I think there's something in this, Alistair. Mm. You know, like I'm I'm always tempted by those ads that are like become a speed reader. Oh yeah, right. Like, Evelyn Wood. So could be. Yeah, I think that's one of the groups. Maybe right. So so and then and if there was something that was like that, right? It's like post traumatic. One of the most intense experiences mm-hmm. that people, someone can experience, is post traumatic stress disorder. Yeah. But if you could harness that power to become more efficient at work, yeah, right, or to become a better writer, now now I'm now I'm interested. Trying to change, trying to just it's just an instant frame of mind using a sound. Yeah. It's even like, if it was to like uh, you go into an exam, mm. right? You. Uh, you 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 want to remember the opening passage of the sun also rises yeah right because you've got to write an essay about it of course right mm-hmm. all you've got there is that you you've you've queued yourself up with a series of traumatic experiences mm-hmm. in your past when you were reading the sun also rises sure and the various different cues which you can play off your watch yeah whatever, different different noises birdsong, uh, helicopters I sure hope they let you play stuff off of your watch in this exam well it's I mean, we're allowed to use calculators now. It's yeah. unrealistic to not let people play that's noises true. off their watch, yeah. okay? Because that's a thing that people do day to day now, mm. right? That's a part of the modern workplace. People are always playing noises off their watch. So yeah. it's unrealistic to have people not do that. And so you're saying it's still a trauma. Sure. So it's still a trauma <laughs> that you put yourself through whilst reading a passage. Yeah, maybe somebody's like, you know, while you're reading the passage, somebody's like stabbing you in the thigh. Oh, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then while you're reading the um, next chapter, mm-hmm. uh, your friend Tommy's getting blown up by a landmine. So, okay, so it's not it's not just mental <laughs> trauma. It's also physical damage that you're doing to your you body. Know, well, the, it's the pain that yeah. triggers it, you know, or that is part of it. Sure. And so, and then so those things might be connected to say like. Um, what are some of the themes in Robinson Crusoe? Yeah. <laughs> you know, while you're getting stabbed. And then sometimes maybe like somebody's nailing some bamboo under your fingernail uh, and that'll help you rem- remember, you know, what one mole of something is in chemistry. Is it like, it could, could this start from somehow like somebody, uh, you know, a, someone with a, a genuine traumatic experience is going to a... A, a psychologist, and yeah. they're like, "I can't. I'm, I'm, I'm in constant flashbacks. I can't forget mm. the 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 assault at uh, Lang Mai in Vietnam." Yeah, right. And the the counselor's like, "Half your luck. I can't remember where I put my bloody keys. You think I could remember? But this, like a sieve. It's uh maybe it's more of like a product. He that's when he had the idea yeah. for a product." Yeah. Which is mini trauma, yeah, and it just yeah, it just right. zaps you, right? It's it's a little it's a zap patch you put on your hand. It zaps you, gets feels horrendous, yeah. But it reminds you like you you do that when you park your car, and then you yeah. remember where your car is parked, yeah. Uh, look, functional mini trauma, Alastair is. <laughs> I'm writing it down. <laughs> I feel like there people might have some problem with it. Oh, Alistair. I mean, people have got problems with everything these days. Trauma. Mocking the trauma of war veterans. <laughs> well, we're not going into politics now, which we weren't going to. But. Hey, Trump did it. 
Well, that's true. You know, he made it work. And everybody likes him. He's on top. Yeah, that's true. He is a winner. He's never coming down. I mean, in a way, look, I don't want to talk politics too, but when he says that he's, you know, when he refers to himself as a winner, I don't know how often he does that, but in a way he's right. He does win. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he has a lot of losses that he doesn't really count. (laughs) Yeah. But where it matters, you know, he he definitely got in there. Yeah, I mean, is there a way to to do a similar kind of thing with like with kids, right? Mm. Say you've got uh, kids at an athletics day, yeah, right, and a kid has a series of losses, yeah, right, comes in last in a bunch of foot races. So, yeah, how like could three-legged we three-legged foot races? Sure, could be three-legged. Right, equal last, I guess, in a three-legged foot race. Well, it depends. Is oh, it yeah? is it two people in a three-legged foot race? Or, or is you it, think it's just? It could just be that he's because I mean, if one kid had three legs, yeah, would he be allowed in a sort of a three-legged foot race at a at a fair? I mean, it'd be really cruel, wouldn't it, if they weren't? And he becomes like a like a fate hustler. F E T E fate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although I like the other one as well. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like if you've got <laughs> fate hustler, hustler, S F A F A T E. S F A T E. F A T E. If you're hustling fate, if you're hustling the forces of inevitability, <laughs> I mean, good luck to you, you know? I mean that's I mean that's already a great name for a show. It's like you know, like you know, David Al- Magoon, <laughs> Fate Hustler. So so in in to, in order to be a Fate Hustler of this kind, yeah. you know, right? You'd have to you'd have to. Um, firstly, I think the key with hustling is to come in looking like you you're, you're not going to win, right? You've yeah. got to come in low. Like look weak, right? Yeah. So somebody you look got to come and look like look at like somebody who is going to be a victim of fate, a real nerdlinger. Yeah, but not one nerd. of those ones that that was gonna like you know turns into Bill Gates or something like that. No, or he was probably a bit of a fate hustler. He was a fate think? hustler, yeah. Like the, anyone who you who looks like they're not going to succeed mm. and then does yeah. fate hustler. Sure, right, I mean it'd be great if the, hustler, really, it'd be great if you could <laughs> manipulate. Uh, the, the course of events. Yeah, in some way. Well, I mean, in a way we can because we have free will and agency. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But can, but, you, can you wear a big trench coat and a, <laughs> and a Dick Tracy hat? Yeah. Yeah, so that's, that's cool. It's a guy who's just pretty good at everything, but he, but he underplays everything. But then the, the, his one weakness is that he has to make the decisions of how what the valuable way to spend one's life is. Mm, right. And so at the moment, he's just a traveling nomad who's hustling fate. <laughs> His own fate. This is all, this is just, this is just turned to sand in my mind. Really? Just this whole idea. I thought, I thought there was something solid there, and now I feel it trickling away, Alistair, like water through sand. No, but in a he's, sieve. his weakness is indecision, and so he just kind of takes life as it comes, right? But in a way, he's never able to get a good life together, even though he's good at everything. Right, but I feel like, you know, 
you'd, you, he, part of the skill would be adapting how bad he looks to different scenarios, right? <laughs> <laughs> I suppose you'd be good at that by, be, by being very good at everything. Sure, sure. That's one of the things mm. that he's great at. You wouldn't think he is, no. but he's all right. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. look like he'd be. Yeah. So, like, so you know, it, looking bad at basketball, say, yes. is different to looking bad at computer programming. Sure. Okay? Yeah. So you have to look bad at both. And I presume, you, yeah, that's where you adapt. You look bad in different ways. Yeah, and as long as you're not doing both at the same time. Exactly. Um, then, you know. You're not trapped in a paradox. You're not trapped in some Which kind he's of par- also great at. Yeah. <laughs> so he's, he's good at everything, but he can't decide what he wants to do. Yes, and that's his flaw. And right? so he's just living from hustle to hustle, betting people money, going, uh, you know, uh, what's this game that we're doing? Oh, it's a game of jacks. There's no long-term nine-to-five hustle mm. gig that you can get, right? Where you hustle people Monday and you go in, you hustle them again the next day. Well, what he needs to know is that the greatest hustle of all is a nine-to-five job. It's true. Yeah. He doesn't realise that we're all pulling a con. Yeah. Right? And- we're tricking people mm. into giving us this $500. Yeah, through... D- <laughs> <laughs> Through some kind of uh, workplace bargaining agreement that maybe unions have worked towards over the years. Um, It's the greatest hustle of all. I I think there's something in that, right? And and what's the payoff? At the end, you retire and you're golden. Yeah. You just walk away and they can't get you. Superannuation. And then you die, right? And and you're you're fine. And you just walk away. You just die and you just walk away. And now does this guy have three legs? Yeah. No. no. Yeah. You see it at the end when he's walking away. So when he's really good at just hiding it a, long, a lot of the time. The other one it's one of his skills. Tapes it up along his torso. Makes it just look like he's got a thick like torso. Like a thick growth or something? Like a thick torso. Oh, when he's folding it up along his torso, does he fold it out to the side and up like a <laughs> clock hand going around or does he fold it like back up against his body? <laughs> really the most realistic one would yeah. be uh, folding it forward, right? Because, because people can do that. People can fold their leg up against their body forwards. Oh, yeah. But then you've got a foot sticking out next to your head mm. and what are you going to do with that? Put a face on it and a fake head and pretend you've got two heads? That's, if anything, yeah. more, worse than the three legs you were trying well, to avoid. If he brings it up and sort of has it so that his foot is sort of resting on his collarbone and yes. then the, the heel kind of sticks out like a boob and he kind of just looks like he's a, like a one-boobed man. <laughs> just trying. Which, which you would underestimate a man like that. Sure, sure. Whereas a three-legged man... I mean, I might overestimate him in some situations. Mm. It's going to be very stable. Uh, I don't know, because I think if I saw a, three, a three-legged man, a tripod, yeah, um, I, I would be very excited about seeing what this guy can do. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Let's... <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know I, I definitely wouldn't put, put it on underestimation initially. Yeah. I reckon he could scuttle like a praying mantis. You know? Scuttle. I'm going to learn to scuttle. Yeah? Yeah. It's kind of, I think it's, I think it's like a strafe, but with outturned knees. Right. 
So scuttle, you scuttle sideways. Can you scuttle forwards? Can yeah, but I think, I think you gotta like you gotta turn your legs in a certain way. Right, sort of out a bit. I feel, yeah, I feel like you when you scuttle, you gotta move in the direction that your knee's pointing. I reckon that. Uh, <laughs> well, then that would make forward and forward seem really reasonable. <laughs> um, That's really what walking is. I know, but okay, but adding to that. Your knee pits have to be pointing at each other. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Because I reckon that Charlie Chaplin had a bit of a scuttle almost yeah. going on. Yeah. You know? Bit of a, a scuttle. Yeah, you know, a scuttle. It was scuttly. A bit of a crab thing happening. Yeah. I mean, once you... Like, I spent some time studying that mm. particular walk to you try did. to be able to do it. And it's both effortless, but also, like, for him... Yeah. But also quite difficult. But also really difficult to do. <laughs> yeah. Because he, he nails it. And it's like, well, he's figured it out. Yeah. It's almost like he's been doing it for a while. He was, well, I mean, he was a bit of a fate hustler, I reckon, in that regard. Oh, yeah? Yeah. He wrote the music in modern times. It's crazy, right? Yeah. That, that, that one. Oh, I didn't. He did that. Really? Yeah. I tried to watch it with my... Sun recently, modern times. Yeah. And then he got scared when the when the corn was spinning too fast and hitting him in the face. Because he's yeah. He's like, oh, because he's getting fed by that corn machine. That machine. Corn food machine. Yeah, well, the machine has a bowl of soup. Yeah. And then has a. a what thing did, that did he? What, what did he think of the bowl of soup? Oh, he thought it was funny that it poured on his chest. Not not funny, but he was like, man, soup on his chest. Yeah, right. He yeah. thought it was weird. Yeah. But he didn't think it was scary. He's he's he was just very cautious. I think I think Charlie Chaplin is kind of scary looking to kids because he's got that weird smile that like mm-hmm. and he scuttles. Yeah. Yeah, but he doesn't you don't often see him get to do his scuttle because he's just in regular scenarios. He's not always just sort of going on long walks. Alistair, what do you think it would take for you to find a crab sexy? Two to three glasses of wine. <laughs> um, look, Andy, I'm pretty open to stuff. Yeah. Um, like, I got you know. I think if 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 a crab could talk to me, mm. maybe I guess I'd have to get to know it. Right. Maybe uh, that's beautiful. That's a really mm. good answer. I think maybe if the crab showed any interest in me at all. <laughs> <laughs> right. You want the crab to make you feel sexy. Right? Well, no, but I find it very attractive when somebody likes me. Yeah. 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 And so, um, yeah, and I f- so I think maybe if the crab made me feel like it wouldn't reject me, yep. that would definitely increase its chances I mean, its you chances don't have me. a hard shell. You're just a soft man. Yeah. Right? But I reckon this crab is soft on the inside. He's a softy on the inside. Yeah, well, that's great. Yeah. I think if you could just see him without that shell on. Yeah, unless it's a soft shell crab. I think that those ones that have got the like the one really big claw and the one little claw, mm. I think that could be quite interesting because you feel like that little claw could be quite gentle. Yeah, you know, because they got that strong thing going on, right? That big tough claw. Yeah, but then you're like, oh, sensitive side. Yeah, but I feel like a smaller pinch is almost more painful than a big pinch. Right. You know, like you ever, you know, when somebody like pinches like. Oh, yeah. You know, pinches you with their nails rather than with the skin. 
But they don't have to like they don't have to pinch with that. It's kind of a closer it's kind of a closer pinch, you know? Mm. Maybe that's what it is. So I feel like they could pinch you more accurately. <laughs> For some reason this the reason I asked this question mm. was because I was thinking about a sketch about a crab that was like a really hot property in in Hollywood, like yeah. in early Hollywood before the rules of Hollywood were really established. It was sort of a free for all in terms of like what's going to What's going to be big? You know, we don't really know how this movie world works. Yeah. And there's maybe there was this time when really anyone could make it in Hollywood. Like even even Absolutely the, the, the rules of de- attractiveness. Mm. Because Hollywood has had such a big role in defining what's considered attractive. Yeah, that's right. Early on before those rules were set. Mm. Maybe it was sort of open and they would give a chance to say a crab. Yeah. To be a starlet. I guess I could. You could definitely picture it in the silent movie era mm. that a crab could have. Absolutely, yeah. that's, that, you know, that's incredible because, but yeah, bef- in silent movies before talking mm. in films, totally level playing field. Yeah. The human advantage of being able to talk was meaningless. Absolutely, and the sets were smaller. Yes, and so you didn't have to spend as much money. Right, <laughs> <laughs> and. Being expressive, have an expressive mm. face was would have been at a premium, right? Because yeah. it was all a visual medium. Like a crab, they got those eyes out on those stalks like yeah, that. Yeah, and they can make, they can foam at the mouth. They can foam at the mouth. That's, there you go. Those are the two of the human emotions: eyes out on stalks, yeah. foaming at the mouth. <laughs> I know, but you can also get more diversity of creature at that scale as well. Because right. if you're trying to create like some kind of monster movie, mm-hmm. um. At that scale, yes. Uh, like so, on a, on a human scale, then you've got to be, build. You know, you basically have to cr- create all your characters, right? Right. Whereas insects, there's roughly three to five million different species, right? That you could just choose from, and yep. then just move them from their the location you find them and put them in the on the set. Right. So, you know, if, if, if you want a giant monster mm-hmm. to be your bad guy, yeah. you get yourself a rhinoceros beetle. All you need is a, a ladybug to be your, your hero. Yeah. Now you've got your relative scales all sorted out. You're done. Well, that's right. Yeah. A lot, of, a lot of, you know, modern day kind of, you know, big blockbuster movies, they, they think that you need a big monster. But back in those days, they just realized you just need a tiny camera. Yeah. <laughs> And a really small protagonist. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, a a I, I'm kind of interested in a, in a sort of an old style documentary or a documentary about like the mm. early days of Hollywood and there were no rules, right? And yeah. about the story, the possibly tragic story of like the first crab starlet, yeah, right? Signed by MGM, right? Uh, when it was just a whatever baby crabs are called, crabling. Right. Also, it's not MG when MGM was a crabling. No, when the crab was a crabling. Okay, right. I mean MGM when that lion was just a cub or whatever. Well, well, in, initially maybe MGM's lion was a crab. Right. You know, and, and MGM started as a crab filming company. Yeah. That made crab movies for yeah. humans. <laughs> not for crabs, because that's that is breaking reality. Yeah. Because crabs don't watch movies. Exactly. But you can film a crab and then put some text you on can a black film screen. Crab. <laughs> and make it seem like the crab's doing things. You can give a crab a little wrench yeah. and you can tie a little crab apron to it. 
Um, look, Perfect. I don't. Yeah, I mean, I think you can build. I, look, but the, the trouble to, for making this sketch is that we would actually have to find a crab that has a certain amount of personality. I think I think what we're going to discover is that you put that personality onto it. Like, you know that, that famous experiment where they show people two pictures, right? Mm. They show, and it's the same picture of a woman, right? And then one they show her, like, looking at a, some food. Mm. And you go like, oh, wow, she looks really hungry. And then you show them another one where she's looking at a dead body or something. Oh, well, she's really sad. Right, you yeah. we we put the emotion onto it. She's oh, she's looking really necrophilic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and uh, with the crab, right? You're like, oh, that crab is looking really hungry. Looking really hungry, or that crab is planning the overthrow of the Russian Empire, whatever it is. Mm. Or if the if the crab sort of took over the dead body, yeah, and was starting a kingdom. Or something, or maybe he was trying to solve the crime of the dead body. Took over the dead body, and was so making a kingdom. What, I was was it like in the body, like a hermit crab operating the body, well, or is it inside the body, living in the body, and the body is the kingdom? Yeah, I thought the body would be the kingdom, but then I thought maybe you could just solve the crime of the bo- the dead body. Absolutely, I think but then you'd have to find a large, like a lot of humans, and then we're changing the scale of the thing. Unless it, the, the body was killed by a bug. Yeah. So then maybe he has to find a scorpion or something. Look, all of this I'm, I'm really compelled by. Mm. I'm also compelled, Alistair, to tell you about uh, Harry's Razors. Really? Yeah, harrys.com forward slash think tank. You can go along there. You can get yourself a weighted ergonomic handle. You can get yourself a, a, a five-blade razor. Mm. Right? Get yourself a real nice, real fresh-feeling shaving foam. Oh, yeah. Get yourself uh, a little travel case to clip over the end of your razor. Don't damage your razor when you're, oh, yeah, you're traveling with your razor. I use that a lot when I move. Yeah, and you move constantly. Yeah, and sometimes I just put it in that case and then I just walk around the, the house <laughs> and, and it's really safe. Yeah. You, you, know, you don't have to move far. You don't right? even have to ever put down your Harry's razor. Sometimes I just I don't even need to go on a holiday, right? Mm. Just putting the travel case on my Harry's razor is mm. enough. Yeah. Right? I get the full experience. Mm-hmm. And uh, that could be your experience for free. And all you've got to do is pay the cost of shipping, which is a couple of bucks, right? Harris.com forward slash think tank. You get, ah. Oh, what do you get, Andy? You get, you get this beautiful razor, Alistair. Mm-hmm. You, and you get to start a new life, right? You, over the course of a year, you could be saving hundreds of dollars because you're paying a fraction of what, the, what you would pay in a shop. Like, even after, quite apart from this great deal mm. for two in the Think Tank listeners, yeah. harrys.com forward slash think tank, right? Quite apart from that, yeah. just buying their razors day to day is a really cheap mm. and easy way to get your razors because they send them to your house. S- send it to they your house. They get delivered to your house. And you know how disgustingly expensive razors are. At the supermarket. Mm. <laughs> That's right. So these ones are cheaper. These these are cheaper than that mm. and better. And when you support us, makes us look good to the advertisers. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. But I want you to know that all the money we make from this, we're going to go straight out and spend on Harry's raises. Yeah, that's right. Because that's, that's how much we believe in the That's product. all we care about. But you know what's in the box? It's a, it's a new face for you or whatever part you shave. That's right. Get yourself a new face for you. Yeah, for you and for your loved ones. Yeah. And get rid of your old face that you might hate. I haven't shaved for a while and I'm bloody excited about shaving again. He's got a, he's got a, 
a face full of hatred that he's re- re- ready to shed. I, I, I might, it, it feels so good when mm. he uses Harry's razor. Yeah. So smooth, so nice. Yeah. And it, it, let me tell you, Alistair, it's a little secret. Tell me the secret. Kissing's real good too. Really? Yeah. Can't wait to find out what that's like. <laughs> when you kiss me? <laughs> no, just a kiss. Can't wait to find out what kissing is like. Or going down on a mouth, as I call it. Yeah, I heard you heard you call kissing going down on a mouth. Do you remember what it's like being in your 20s? I sometimes look back at that period of my life and laugh just as much as I cringe. If you do the same, then you've got to watch Queenie, the new original series on Hulu. Who is Queenie? Queenie is a 20-something year old living in London. She's facing all the firsts. First major heartbreak, first shitty apartment and soul-sucking job, first therapy session to work through those mommy issues. Can she turn her quarter-life crisis into a revolution? Maybe. Will she make some questionable decisions along the way? Definitely. All episodes of Queenie premiere June 7th, streaming on Hulu. And uh, I, don't think, I don't think I've ever been the same since then. <laughs> I have a functional micro trauma from the time when you told me kissing was going down on a mouth. <laughs> but do you do you remember where you were when you found out that I said that kissing was like going down was was could also be called going down on a mouth? Yeah, I remember exactly. I was there. We were standing waist deep Di- in the ocean. <laughs> no, Princess Diana was just dying. <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 funny. Is there, is there something in that, like in the idea of I remember exactly where I was when uh, Princess Diana died. I was watching a documentary about the death of John Lennon or mm. uh, well, something more than that, I suppose. I remember exactly where I was mm. the moment uh, JFK was shot. I was... See, a great comedian would be like up in a book depository... And uh, holding a gun. Yeah, a great comedian would say that. A great comedian, or at least a great comedian fifty years ago. Yeah, which I not because the not because that happened fifty years ago or however many years, but because that's when a joke like that was new. Where it's like, imagine I was the person I was talking about. Yeah, or who did a horrible thing, you know. Um. Uh. But yeah. <laughs> What was I talking about? Oh, the, yeah, where you were when things happened, yeah. right? I mean, I don't want to go back into functional microtrauma. <laughs> well, there there's already needs to be more to it because I think in order for there to be comedy here, this, it's mm-hmm. a guy who's trying to sell this idea to people. Are you talking about functional micro, microtrauma again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure. So maybe it's like it's, it could be a shark tank type yep. scenario. Yep. It could be just, you know, an actual meeting with some... Investors. Investors. Yep. He's telling them about what it is. Look, it's a it's a sure way of learning something. I mean, it'll it'll hard code this into your brain. You unless you were to get ten years of therapy, yeah. you will not be able to forget this. This is like carving it in stone, mm. right? Or this is like you know how you can't actually like it's, it's some sort of long term storage. You can't erase it from that. Yeah. And you know, ask me anything. Ask me. Ask me all the capitals in Europe. Uh, what are all the capitals in Europe? Okay, so when I, I, I was studying an, an atlas once, right, mm. and I had my feet roasting on coals, Whoa. okay, and I was playing the opening refrain 
from uh, the Teletubbies song. Really? Okay? So now all I have to do is play the Teletubbies song and I'm taken instantly back to that traumatic experience. I can tell you all the capitals. So uh, whatever the Teletubbies song is. I should have picked a song that I know. London, Rome, Athens. You you say them all. Or the capitals. I don't actually know what the capitals are. Is Rome the capital? Yeah. yeah no, you were doing really great, Alistair. Athens. Athens, is, Athens the is the capital. Ottawa? Ottawa. It's not in Europe, though. Come on, Andy. But it's very European. It's a very European city. It's definitely European-influenced. There you go. Um, how about this? Yes. <laughs> a car. You're driving a car. Um, but you're, you're not happy. Right. You're an unhappy person. Yeah. Well, I, I've seen that thing where <laughs> yeah. you, you drive uh, under those, those things on the roadway and they tell you how fast you're going, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and sometimes there's a smiley face and a frowny face, yeah. right? Um, maybe it's the opposite of that, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it looks at your face, tells you how happy you are, and then tells how fast you can go. <laughs> <laughs> it reads your face, yeah. sees if you're happy or not, mm. and if you seem to be in a good mood, you can drive a little bit faster. I don't know if a shit TV show did that did this here, um, but there was a TV show here. I apologize if I don't want. Uh, but anyway, that that did a lot of like, uh, you know, like uh, cops pulling you over doing breath tests, yep. kind of thing, like that. And and I don't know if this joke was done there, but yep. what about this? Yep. Where they pull you over and they go, can you blow into this? And then you go, oh, God, like that. And then you blow, and then they're like, oh, mate, lung capacity is really low. Hey, you should go jogging and get that bloody up again. <laughs> Alistair, I worry that that might have even been not funny enough for that show. Really? Well, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, why would cops, why would a cop be involved caring about your well-being? What if it, okay, what about, what? About, yeah, that's true. I mean, you know, that, there's something in that. You know, and then and then he's, maybe he kind of comes with you and he's like, he becomes your, your sort of personal mentor, trainer kind of guy. I mean, what, you know, it's a, it's a sketch about a, a relationship that starts, which is one guy being a kind of, you know, a very caring, mm. uh, you know, uh, very responsible man who, who helps you out through uh, bettering yourself. But it all started uh, in the most unusual of circumstances. A, uh, a random when he was breath doing test. a roadside lung capacity test. Well, you know, maybe it wasn't that, you know, it was a random breath test. Mm. But it wasn't... Totally it wasn't, random. It wasn't Dude, the, that's so random. It wasn't the car that he chose that was random. Mm-hmm. It was his actions later on that seem random to anybody else. Sure. So, but, so the word random is in other people's perception of it. But for him, it was very much a conscious decision that, you know, it was essentially a touched by, the, by an angel kind of sure. scenario. We call it a random breath test. Mm. But all of this was decided long ago. Yeah. The motion was set in train by forces beyond our understanding. Yeah. Right? And the, it's actually the forces of God and fate that have brought you here to me today. Mm-hmm. And this moment that we're sharing, yeah. this, this was encoded in the origins of the universe. Isn't that special? 
No, no. Also, I'm going to have to take your license. No, I don't think. No. Did I do it wrong? Um, just quickly, yeah. Alistair, while I've got you, yeah. Right? <laughs> it's like an it's like an old style random breath test, yeah. right? It's like pre pre digital, right? Where they don't have the digital <laughs> readings on the machines, right? They don't have a digital reading. Yeah, but the way in which they are able to test how drunk you are yeah. by getting you to blow on a thing yeah. is that the things that they ask you to blow on are just increasingly disgusting. Right, and if you will still blow on it, that yeah. means that tells you how drunk you are, right? So like nice clean tube, mm-hmm. you don't have to be very drunk to blow on that, right? Yeah. But if it's like oh a bit crusty and unpleasant, yeah, right. If you blow on that, you're probably a bit drunk. Well, like what kind of tube is it? Like a straw? Yeah, some sort of a straw or pipe or whatever it is. You what know? kind of crust are we talking about? Uh, you know, like a bit of a green tinge to it or something like, like that. Like a copper-aged copper? Could be, could be aged copper, but it could also be, you know, like some sort of film of like slimy, gross stuff has accumulated around it or something. <laughs> so, then, <laughs> so then you could just beat the test by just saying, well, I'm not putting that in my mouth. And they go, you're free to go. Yeah. Well, you know, it was a different time. It was a simpler test. <laughs> it was easier to get around. Yeah, that's true. I l- I've gone back to liking your, your Andy, guy. Andy, mine's not good. <laughs> but, but it's, you know, there's, like, it's a, it's, it's become more by, by being longer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which and is how a lot of things become more. Yeah. Also wider and higher. Hmm. But it's no more in substance. Indeed. Right. But I've had a I had an idea, Andy. Yes. Right. You know how some films could be like like I think maybe like the uh you know, what's that mobster one? The Godfather? I was gonna say Mickey Blue Eyes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what's <laughs> oh. oh no. I mean Mickey Blue Eyes too though stands up. You know, <laughs> oh, t- one of the few examples of a good sequel that really? I can think of. Yeah, Mickey Blue Eyes three, <laughs> even better, even really? better. Yeah, it's incredible it's what like, they did. It's kind of it's like the Terminator movies. I yeah, guess. Yeah. yeah, or Toy Story. Yeah. yeah, 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 or Paddington Bear. Yeah, I mean, haven't I have, made the third one yet, but anticipation is high. I mean, you don't make Paddington two without. Leaving open the door for a three. Oh, you, you can see where this is going. Anyone with half a brain, you know how maths works. Mm-hmm. One, two, what's next? Yeah, I think... I think European this... vacation. <laughs> uh, I think, why did I laugh at that? <laughs> it made me think of something. Wait, what, is that? what a sound is that? <laughs> Maybe it sounds like a kind of like a bowl finishing its rotation on the ground. Yeah, that little... What, what? Alistair, this could be one of the worst episodes of the podcast, but I've had some moments of real joy in amongst it. You know what I I keep thinking about is this is episode 120. Yeah. Right? Officially 120, but I think there's a couple of occasional other ones. Anyway. Lost episodes and short episodes. Short episodes. Poo in the shorts that nobody wants Poo to download. <laughs> Everyone's too ashamed to even click on that in the privacy of their own podcast app. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the worst statistics the... of any one of our podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
But I keep thinking about how we're only we're we're already one fifth of the way to having to do a two hundredth episode where Man, we have to come up with two hundred sketch ideas. I thought about that as as I was getting started, as I was saving this podcast file today as we came in, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I mean that's a that's a real thing to look down the barrel of, you know. Yeah, I mean, I guess if it's if it's one a week, then it's and it's fifty two weeks. We're about. We're a year and eight weeks away, a year and two months it's away. It's not enough time. No. That'll be April. Oh, it'll happen right in the middle of Comedy Festival. <laughs> oh, God. We can make it an event. Oh, that's That'll good. It'll be great. We'll do it at the town hall. That's. I'm, pi- I'm picturing that over the next year, things things really blow up for us, Alistair. Well. Especially after this episode. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's hope gonna... they blow up because we've got a goddamn... Like a, a comedy what, festival show coming up that will be at least twenty four hours, mm, probably. That's right, or well, maybe twenty two hours. I got to commend the good people at Harry's Razors for bringing so far the best content to this podcast. Yeah, I've re- been really happy with their contribution. Yeah, absolutely. To the show. So that's why you should get their products. <laughs> Harry's dot com forward slash think tank. I got to tell you, um, but hey, look. Alistair, you were saying... I have an idea. Yes. Right. Now, I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but there are some films, like that gangster movie, um, The Godfather, Mm -hmm. uh, that are metaphors for something. Or at least someone has said that The Godfather was a metaphor for, like, capitalism. Yeah, right. Right? I don't get it. I hear a lot of movies are like a metaphor for filmmaking itself or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. feels like the laziest of all the metaphors. (laughs) It feels like you were just sitting at work one day and thinking, what's a thing, what's a thing that a metaphor can be a thing mm-hmm. for? But then I thought, well, maybe you could, you could make films. And, like, you know, there's advertising. So there's advertising, which is product placement. Mm. There's advertising where there's, you're kind of either talking about or integrating a product into, into the thing, which is like not... Like Harry's Razors. Sort of like Harry's Razors, but, like, more in, like, films and things like that. Sure, sure, sure. So you could just... You know, you could just be drinking a can of, uh, you know, sort of Royal Crown Cola, mm. right? Or you could be like, you know, like Apple does that thing where it's like you you actually interact with their product yeah. on films yeah. and you spend all this time having to watch people. Tom s- Cruise says, I'll just bring it up on my laptop top pro yeah. when they're about to invade Sudan. Sudan, yeah. MacBook. MacBook laptop pro retina screen you can really yeah. see the detail of the enemy encampments because of the high resolution screen mm-hmm. yeah that kind of stuff I should well, work in this absolutely so then the the new thing could be we will make our movie yes will be a metaphor for your product that's incredible yeah yeah and so but like so all the product placement is in the subtext yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so people. I mean, you think they're talking about sex in this scene? They're actually talking about Coca Cola. <laughs> yeah, they're actually talking about <laughs> Bluetooth headphones. <laughs> and because there's no rules about that, mm-hmm. you can put anything you want in the subtext. Exactly. There's no censor- censoring the subtext, well, baby. And it's the higher you and and you keep probably the most integrity to your film, mm. the further, the deeper into the film. Yeah. Almost the more integral the product is and advertising is to the structure of the film. Right. But then much like a, um, you know, uh, the foundations of a building mm-hmm. might not get seen until thousands of years' time when the building's being excavated by 
uh, archaeologists. Mm-hmm. So you're really, when you're building your foundations, you're really doing it for the archaeologists. Right? That's right, yeah. This subtext, a lot of it will will not be registered by the viewer on any level. Mm-hmm. And it'll only you'll only really be advertising to sort of high-level academics doing a PhD on this mm. product in like 20 years' time, yeah. doing a PhD on your film. They'll unearth the subtext and you'll be able to market directly to them. So yeah. say you have a product that you're selling now, wow. kind of a, you know, a new type of hat, yeah. right? Um, it's really shiny. Sure. Mirror hat, yeah. mirror ball hat. Mirror ball right? hat. And uh, you, you get someone to write it into the subtext of their new <laughs> romantic comedy yeah. or mo- war movie. Okay. Right? So there's a mirror ball hat in there somewhere. Yeah, okay. Then, so, but, so it's about but, a woman who loves to party maybe? Yeah, but it's, sure. Yeah, sorry, you continue. You no, 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 but, but, but you don't want to market to people right now. You've got your eye on the 20-year-down-the-track academic market, mm-hmm. yeah. right? That's how you target those people because it's yeah. hard to get in, to penetrate those institutions. But you but, get in there, yeah. they're working away. They're page 460 of their PhD. They suddenly realize it's about mirror ball hats. Mm-hmm. Bam, you've got a sale. Maybe. Well, <laughs> you're right. It might not be something that they're into. It might not be their kind of product. Well, because you don't know whether at that point the company will still be running. But, but I mean, it's also a great way that you can, like, advertise cigarettes to children. Yeah. Because you, you can get – you can either write a series of kids' books, maybe even for toddlers, get them as early as possible. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, it's about, you know, maybe the mo- the, the book – is is kind of uh, about all these really thin, rounded, <laughs> rounded, armless and legless people. I don't think people are going to be worried about that. Yeah. <laughs> right. Who, whose heads are on fire. Whose heads are on fire. And I think you've got to make it more subtly. I think you've got to make it like, subtle. I think it's going to be like, <laughs> you know, somebody's talking about having fire in their mouth or something like mm. that, or like their lungs feeling very cold, you know, and um, yeah, something about wishing that there was some smoke <laughs> for some reason. You know, uh, I think it's going to be more of a metaphor. We're now we're just, we're just saying like, I mean, my, I'm not saying my example was better. Yours wasn't a metaphor either. You just had cigarette people. (laughs) That's not a metaphor. That's just the thing, but a person. Well, I think, look, maybe it's got to be more subtle, like sort of Russian, like, interference, Mm. where it's got to be like, you can can also, like, people that are anti-smoking. So it could could be a book that's, that's, that's about how you shouldn't smoke. But, right. but then you're getting the you idea of smoking. You make all the anti-smoking people really unsympathetic. Mm. <laughs> parents, won't, parents won't notice. Yeah. <laughs> I'm struggling to relate to these anti-smoking characters. And it's all just these characters in the thing that are like having a big, like everybody's having a drag of cigarette. They might feel bad about it or, you know, might yeah. hate it. And they everybody feels bad or whatever. But... The important thing is you get the, the image of smoking into the, into these kids' minds. Now, this is different to the metaphor and the subtext. Thing. No, you're right. Like, now it's just product I, placement again. <laughs> I think if we, no. if we spend enough time to work out what a metaphor means, yeah. maybe some time with a dictionary or whatever, mm-hmm. we'll work that out and we'll no. be able to write this bit really. No, well. I think we can you do it. You don't okay. even have to do it. What does a cigarette do? 
Okay. All right. Um, it it gives you instant <laughs> delicious satisfaction. Yeah, or it's it it it, satis- it, it relaxes you. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the time. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, it gets you outside where you. Um, it's a social activity. It's a social activity. Exactly. Yeah. It gives a kind of a rhythm to your life as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's about a a person who has, uh, you know, a, a rigid schedule of mm-hmm. hanging out with their friends. Yeah. And then going in and doing a lot of work, really yeah. hard work, but then having more breaks than everybody else. But like you could have stuff like they're gathered around a fire and mm. that sort of thing. Sure. Yeah. And then also you could have them where they're all gathered around like a Brita filter. Yeah. <laughs> and, they, and they put their mouth on it. And then some of the time they're all gathered around a shaft. Yeah. Some kind of long, like maybe they work. Fireman's pole? Well, firemen are great, aren't they? Oh, you got the pole, yeah. You got the the fire. Yeah. You got the Brita. You got the water. The water oh. for the filter. For the filter. Do you think that firemen? <laughs> all right, how about this? All right, it's a fireman troop. Yeah. But the water that they use is like artesian basin water, or it's like sparkling mineral water. That's nice. Yeah. Perrier water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wonder if the bubbles, the carbon dioxide, but that that would help put out the fire. Surely. Right? Yeah. Right. Maybe this is Some like other. a really rich neighborhood, right? Where the the when when the, the firemen show up to your house, they say tap or sparkling. Yeah. And you can have your burning house doused mm. with the uh, sparkling water. Mm, this sounds like this movie could be maybe a metaphor for Perrier water. I mean, firemen in many ways are the the people that you can put in a kid's book. Yeah, for the book to be a metaphor about almost any product mm. you want to sell. Yeah, but that's, that's what we're learning. Yeah, I think I think your uh, your <laughs> product placement in the subtext <laughs> is uh, is really good. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, and I think it it definitely works for smoking. I also kind of like the idea of writing a children's book, an anti-smoking book, but writing it in such a way that it makes. People want to smoke. Mm. Well, I think that's a sketch as well. Yeah. And I also think there's got to be some way that we can we can do a a rich suburb fire and fire station sort of a yeah. thing, right? Like a parody of whatever it is. I, I guess I guess what it is 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 a kind of a dystopian future in which society and all social services have been privatized, right? And there's all these. Uh, if you if you can afford it, you can get a better quality of service in any regard. Healthcare, ju- you know, criminal justice, like we already do. You can buy yourself a good lawyer. At the moment, you can't buy yourself a good fireman, but in this future, you can. And when they do come and they offer you Perrier water, um, <laughs> you know what? Still or sparkling? When they put you in a robe, when mm-hmm. you you know you're shivering in the street, yeah. it's monogrammed. You know, you can right. keep the robe. Uh, oh, that's nice. Yeah, if you like it, maybe slippers in case you've left all you know all your possessions have burned. Exactly. Yeah. Um, maybe the the side of the truck opens up and actually also has a lot of furniture in there that you can sort of sit outside your house, burnt house. That uh, that ladder that goes up to your window is mm. actually an escalator. Oh, or an elevator. Or an elevator. <laughs> <laughs> Do not use the elevator in the case of fire. Unless it's uh, the unless fireman it's the, elevator. Unless it's the fireman elevator. Oh, that'd be good, though, if they could just bring an elevator to a window. There must be something like that, right? Like, must be. Like, I imagine for what about people who are in a wheelchair or something. I presume they'd probably just get them out of the wheelchair. 
in an emergency. It's very insensitive. It is though. So yeah, a little. They um, don't. They don't. Know. I mean, I guess they get like they get uh, people with like able-bodied people. They probably take them out of their chairs too. So I guess it's not that insensitive. Yeah. <laughs> Every they don't let anybody whatever kind of chair you're in. They don't let anybody bring a chair mm-hmm. <laughs> onto the ladder or whatever or the elevator. Um, well, technically, through the you splitting that up into like a, f- a few sketches, six or seven sketches. <laughs> yeah, then we've definitely made, made made our total. Well, yeah, except that we have we have a a user words a user word. We you, refer to the listeners of Two in the Think Tank as users. <laughs> the users, <laughs> the end user the, of the podcast. The end user of the podcast. Now, sometimes we call you clients when we're you know we're just discussing because we discuss the listeners obviously. Yeah, we discuss you guys around. at length. Yeah. Clients, end users, stakeholders, mm. you know, yeah. interested parties, yep. um, and enemies as well, we call you sometimes. Enem- enemies of the, of the pod. Yeah. Actually, no, that's just anybody who listens to any other podcasts. You guys don't listen to other podcasts, <laughs> do you? Yeah, this is a monogamous... M- monogamous. Oh, were you not doing... We were doing a monogamous yeah. We thing. don't... We don't appear on other podcasts. I'll be appearing on two other podcasts oh, yeah. in the next three weeks. I've been appearing on a few podcasts. That's all right, Al. Um, all right, so today, uh, not today, but this week, um, Adam Tregear, Trigger, Trigear. End user, Adam Trigear. Trigear, Trigear, um, donated some money to the Patreon and then gave us he, he he gave enough so that he could do the th- the three word suggestion. Good on you, Adam. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, thank you very much. And while we're there, let's also thank uh, Andrew Humphrey, Adam Tregear, <laughs> and uh, Chief Ann Lynn. These are our new listeners. Yeah, new no, listeners, new supporters. new supporters. Yeah, thank you very much. Great. You're gonna read me the words, what Adam Tregear's three words, and he was also suggesting that we make a, a new version of the podcast. Where we just come up with business ideas. I think that's a good one for maybe Patreon. We'll do a Patreon bonus or something for that. Where we come up with just business ideas? Yeah, why not? Yeah, I was thinking that we could sell this to big corporations to come up with subsidiaries that they might want. (laughs) I think think we'll, yeah, coming up with subsidiaries. Mm. Perfect. Offshoots. Two in the subsidiary tank. That's it. Um, All right. The three words are Baker... Gear, Tim. So hang on, gear as in G E A R, or mm-hmm. gear as in G E R E, Richard Gear. G E A R. Okay, Richard right. Gear. So I'm, I'm, uh, I tell you the first thing that I, that came to my mind. Sure. Is uh, a <laughs> a baker who, for some reason, mm. is making like a a, a clockwork. Uh, uh, like a a giant gingerbread man or something like that, and that's sure. awful. Right? Sure, sure, sure. So I mean, I like, I guess to say that to get out of the way so that you don't say it. No, it's okay. <laughs> Took a bullet. Well, for you. I mean, look. When while you were saying that, what occurred to me was the idea of a guy who was making a bread monster truck. Wow. <laughs> you see, so I think to make it truly monstrous, he would decide yeah. to make it out of something that will sog when he when it gets wet. Yeah, um, but I mean, uh, that that is that is kind of horrific, mm. right? Because like I remember when you were a kid, you yeah. go to see the monster truck, yeah, 
like I went to see the monster trucks one time and it was it blew me away it was incredible there was this great bit at the end where the monster truck and the and a and a big semi trailer like had like a tug of war to like pull apart a a VW Beetle or something like that wow oh man it was it was so exciting right now kids go there to sort of be a little bit scared, a little bit thrilled mm. by the monster truck. Yeah. Now imagine if that monster truck was made out of bread. Yeah. Okay. Mm. See the additional effect that you get, especially if that monster truck gets wet, which I would recommend that it does, <laughs> is the monster truck begins to flop, okay, yeah. and fall away, right? Yeah. Representing flake. flake and and it appears to age, I imagine, mm. before your eyes, like as it sags, right? Yeah. And then that's really scary and thrilling for a kid because you're confronted with mortality <laughs> yeah, and aging death. And death. Right? And that's, you know, an edge mm. that I think that monster truck rallies could get into. You know, could uh, the that, person's name be Tim? I don't have a problem with that. Yeah. Well, Tim, you know, is only two thirds of time. Right, oh, and it's yeah. time that truly is the enemy of all of us. Like almost like Tim is like we ran out of time. Yeah, to even write time. Yeah, that's it's, Tim is a reminder of your own death. Yeah, much like this bread monster truck. <laughs> so Tim is a metaphor for a bread monster truck. Yeah, yeah, and and it's like a big red truck, but just a bread truck, big red bread bread truck. Um, isn't that wait wait let me I know I already said this but Tim is a metaphor for a a bread monster truck which is a metaphor for life yes double metaphor now if Tim was a product yes that we could put into double subtext I reckon you could double the amount that you get the advertiser to pay for yeah I think this movie about a bread monster truck Mm. Being really an advertisement for Tim or Tim Tams, yeah, uh, mm. is you know, isn't the the head Apple guy called Tim? Yeah, Tim Cook. Tim Cook, Baker. Cook something that yeah, Tim Baker <laughs> sells a lot of gear, <laughs> Apple gear. The symbol for the Apple settings app on your computer <laughs> is a gear. Is it? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I mean. Is this all we wanted? Just random connections of bullshit? A little bit. Yeah, um, me too. I think. No, I'm I, I'm I'm interested in a bread monster truck. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm standing by. No, it. I do think that the the idea, like I think that there, this is a sketch idea. I'm a, a monster truck that is in some way vulnerable mm. is really that's, compelling. To that's me. what's missing from the vol- uh, from the, the monster yeah. truck uh, world at the moment, and so because they yeah. They put up this front as mm-hmm. being these uh, monstrous trucks, monstrous, <laughs> oh, near indestructible, near indestructible, not made of bread trucks. Mm-hmm. But what if one was honest for once and actually was made of bread? Yeah, you yeah, know that's really interesting. Because the people, I mean, a monster truck is like is not that far from being like a loaf of bread mm-hmm. because it has that hard. Out across the outer side, but on the inside is this soft, and I'm picturing the person who's in there. Yeah, this soft innard. Yeah. Um. <laughs> you know what they call the monster truck thing? Isn't that crusty demons? <laughs> no, I think those are. No, I think those are motocross guys. Oh, damn it! But the oh, crusty demons could also be made out of bread. Why not? 
Yeah. And maybe the maybe the monster truck could be called like Lofi McGee. Lofi or or like a Chiabata or Yeah, right. Or or you know Panini. <laughs> Panini? Panini. Anyway, yeah. we're sorry Adam Tregear. But we think that was okay. There's something yeah. in there. Yeah, I think I think it could be a real big monster. Like he's a, it's it's a mini documentary about a guy who's a big, real big monster truck man. But he's trying to take monster trucks to the next level. It's and like it, any art form, yeah. right? It matures and it takes on a richness and it takes on new meaning. And people find new ways to use that form to communicate deeper things. And I think yeah. doing that with monster trucks. And I think yeah, and is uh, and very valid. Sure, a monster truck experience you know, with, with your regular monster truck mm-hmm. is great for the first viewing, maybe even for the first five mm-hmm. to six viewings. But there's a certain point in which the indust- indestructibility of these monster trucks mm-hmm. means that there's almost no danger mm-hmm. because they can just achieve anything. It's like, yeah. it's like watching S- Superman. Exactly. It's boring. Yeah. They have no kryptonite seemingly. Right. Except, you know? But this one, kryptonite, water. Also, pigeons. Also, just motion. Motion. <laughs> Oh, right. I had I had something there. It's gone. Hunger, hunger is also its weakness. Oh well, I mean, I, the other element of this mm. is that if you were a, a gluten intolerant person oh, in yeah. the crowd, how much more terrifying is that monster truck now? It's true. So we yeah we hadn't thought about that. But yeah. I mean that's good. Or it's some, raising the stakes. Yeah, it's like it's a. <laughs> It's a new form of entertainment for gluten intolerant people, mm. which is it's it's kind of like it's, it's like a demolition derby kind of thing, but with like bread. Yeah, everything's and bread, and they just go and watch it like like almost like a perverted kind of sex thing. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and then maybe at the end, there's a big cheese fondue. Yeah, or maybe the ground is just cheese, cheese fondue. Cheese fondue, and they all squidge about in there. Yeah, and then everybody at the end just gets a stick and just grabs some of the stuff that's flaked off. All the gluten intolerant people do? Well, they can if they have hookworms. Does that help? Hookworms, this is the thing. This is the, the, we, we let them out of our life cycle because we started wearing shoes and we started pooping in toilets. Nobody so now we has hookworm anymore. So, so they, they, they breed in, they breed, breed in feces and we would get them through our feet. So now they're not there anymore, which is why there's a huge increase in autoimmune diseases. Because they, if they live in your gut, they release anti, anti-inflammatories. This is amazing. And also, people, the, the recent, recent people have been trying it. Recent people. Uh, these gluten intolerant people, by the end of a couple of weeks, could eat a whole bowl of pasta. Anyway. I'm going to take us through this fucking episode. Oh, my God. And again, I'm so sorry about this. I mean, it got it got a bit better at the end there, but Christ Almighty! Um, we got jaggedy numbers. Jaggedy numbers, right? For you know, jaggedy numbers are used for making it look like uh, you did you did more work than you really did. That's, That's right. when you you estimate the cost of something by making it a really specific number. Let's say six thousand two hundred and twenty-four. Yeah. Um. And then people will be like, "Oh, he must have really worked out what that yeah. must what that must be." So that yeah, great. I'll, uh, I won't challenge that. But then also, you could use round numbers to really make try to make people not think not about think them. about things. Yeah, it's hard to grip onto all those zeros, right? If you look at a number written down, yeah, there's five, and then there's just a bunch of zeros. It's yeah. really hard to count those zeros because yeah. they all look the same. 
So you can slip a lot of stuff through. Yeah, is it five million, five billion? I don't know. The five is the only one that's got any substance to it. So it's the only one you could actually grab onto. Yeah, there was a five there. That's all I remember. Mm. But also physically, a zero would be nothing. Mm. Even if it's a zero, you know, three zeros up. Still nothing. Well, it's still nothing, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, I know, Al. It's hard to picture what that means. <laughs> We got no time, Al. Andy, oh, we got sorry. no Tim. All right, we got functional mini trauma product, which is uh, there to help you remember things and really hard code things into your brain. Yeah. And all, all it's got to do is uh, it's military got... technology, military yeah. grade trauma. We got fate for hustler. domestic purposes. We got the fate hustler, who's a this guy in a trench coat and a hat, who looks like he's not very good at something, but he's actually really good at everything. But but his problem is that he he's not. He doesn't have his life together because he's just... Going from thing to thing. He's just going from one thing to another thing. He yeah. could be excellent in any field, but his weakness is deciding what to spend your life doing because I guess if you're excellent at everything, mm-hmm. that would make that decision really hard to pick one thing. Alastair, I find this really compelling. I'm very interested in this person. Whether or not it's a sketch, I don't know. No, it's more than a sketch, Andy. Thank you. It's more. Like this next one, Crab Starlet. <laughs> The first, it's the I first think, famous crab. I think, I think that's quite fun. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's fun. Eight legs. Do they have eight oh, legs? Oh, what legs? Yeah. Oh, my I God. Mean, people love legs. Yeah. Legs are very big. Very leggy. Also very uh, pinchy. Mm. What are those things called? Pincer. Pincers? Nippers? Claws. That's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> product placement in subtext. It's, a, it's the new level of product placement. Mm-hmm. Um, some the both whole e- movie was a metaphor for the Jeep Cherokee. Yeah. Um, anti. Then there's an anti-smoking kids book that makes you want to. That makes you want to smoke. So it's just you know it's it's kind of an example of. Well, it's not exa- an example of the sub advertising in the subtext, but it's a it's a product that's advertised to ki- that's sold to kids as as if it's to make mm-hmm. kids want to not smoke, but really it's going to make kids want to smoke. Yeah. So that's it. Then we got rich suburb that has the option of sparkling water for putting out fire, and this is just where everything's been privatized, and you can just you can upscale almost anything. I'm picturing Turak. I wonder what suburb you're picturing at home. The end user. The end user, you at the end. Then we have a monster truck made of bread. That's right. Yeah, and so that is is that. Thank you very much for listening to the podcast. My name is Alistair George William Trumbly Birchall. This is Andy Matthews. You've yeah. been listening to Two in the Think Tank. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Two in Tank. I'm at Alistair TB. I'm at Stupid Old Andy. We're a part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. You can listen to loads of little programs on there. And we have a show coming up in the upcoming comedy Melbourne International Comedy Festival. Mm-hmm. And it's already very, very exciting to me. We have a lot of great sketches written. Yes. We have a lot of insane props yep. being developed. Yeah. We've hired our first prop manufacturer. Yeah. And she laughed a lot when we asked her to make the thing that she's going to have to make for us. Yeah. So, it's a non-human ma- mammal. Non-human mammal. We can't say any more. I wish I could. Four legs. Yeah. Okay. But we're not, we can't say anything more than that. Not right. a cat. It's not a cat. <laughs> 
That's all we can say. That's so far. That is the information that we're allowed to say. And it's a part of its anatomy is going to be removed, but it's not the part you might think. Yeah. Unless you're thinking the top of the head. <laughs> <laughs> and it's all going to be uh, sketches from the think tank. Mostly. Pretty much, pretty much mostly science fiction. It's Andy Matthews and Alastair Tremblay Birchall's sci-fi sketch experience yeah. at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival from the 28th of March to the 8th of April. Mm-hmm. We're going to do 10 shows and we're going to have such a great bloody good time. Yeah. Uh, so you find us at the uh, comedyfestival.com.au website. Yeah, and so if you want to support buy a ticket. If you want to support the show, you can buy tickets to that or you can find us on Patreon. That's patreon.com/2intank. And uh, we would like to also thank Harry's Razors for supporting this episode, <laughs> harrys.com forward slash think tank. And we'd also like to thank George for editing the podcast. Which he's got a bit of work to do today for, for because of all the issues. And we'd also like to thank you, the end user, <laughs> and we love <laughs> you. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. It's not optional. You have to do it. <laughs> We used to go easy on it, but now you have to. Yeah. yeah. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.